Welcome to Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm with your host, Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the award-winning Legal Toolkit podcast here on Legal Talk Network. If you were looking for the series finale of Game of Thrones, you might want to skip that one. Word to the wise. No spoilers here, but just so you know. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you become a long-time listener. And if you know what bubble tea is, can you please tell me? As always, I'm your show host, Jared Korea, and in addition to casting this pod, I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, which offers subscription-based law practice management consulting services uh, to law firms, bar associations, and legal vendors. Check us out at redcavelegal.com. I'm also the COO of Gideon Software, Inc., which offers chatbots, the first-to-market chatbot builder and predictive analytics created specifically for law firms. Find out more at www.gideonlegal. Uh, last but not least, because I don't have enough to do, clearly, you can listen to my other podcast, The Lobby List, a family travel show I host with my wife, Jessica, on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, and comment. I think I'm the star of the show. My wife thinks differently. But here on the Legal Toolkit, we provide you twice each month with a new tool to add to your own legal toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. In this episode, we're going to talk about how to build a more productive small law firm. But before I introduce today's guest, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors, without whom there would be no such podcast. Nexa, formerly known as Answer One, is a leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for law firms. Learn more by giving them a call at 800-267-9371 or online at www.nexa.com. Scorpion crushes the standard for law firm online marketing with proven campaign strategies to get attorneys better cases from the internet. Partner with Scorpion to get an award-winning website and an ROI-positive marketing programs today. Visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. TimeSolve is the number one web-based time and billing software for lawyers. Providing solutions since 1999, TimeSolve provides the most comprehensive billing features for law firms big and small. www.timesolve.com That's T-I-M-E-S-O-L-V. Leave out the final E. My guest today is Jane Oxley, who is the president of Smokeball. Smokeball empowers small law firms to manage emails and documents easily, create documents faster through clever automation, and provides a digital filing system in the cloud so law firm and staff can work together from anywhere. Jane has worked with Smokeball and Leap since 2008, so she's been in the legal vertical for quite a while. And I should say, I can't forget to mention this, this is Jane's first podcast, so I'm very excited that she's come to us. Jane, welcome to the big show. Thanks, Jared. I'm really excited to be here for my first podcast. We're going to go easy on you. Don't worry. I so. so I know what bubble tea is, if that helps. But Oh, can you tell me what it is? I have no idea what bubble tea is. So my 13-year-old loves it. It's like a tea that's very popular in Asia. And you basically put like, they put lumps of boba in it, which are like these little tapioca bubbles. So it has a really thick straw that you suck them up through. It's kind of weird. I'm not a fan of it. Sounds horrible. Thank it you is. for letting me know, though. No worries. I think I will stick to regular tea. <laughs> Anything yeah, tapioca? I'm not a tapioca guy. It doesn't sound good, does it? But anyway, not particularly appetizing. Well, thank you. Thank you. Now I'm never going to have to buy a bubble tea, so I appreciate that. <laughs> Pleasure. You saved me probably like 30 bucks because I bet that's how much they cost. 
something like that. So let's talk about you. I always start off with an icebreaker question, so here's yours. You made what, what I think is probably a really poor life decision. You moved from Australia to Chicago. Respectfully, why on earth would you do that? You know it's cold in Chicago, right? Yeah. Well, there's a couple of reasons, and I think one thing I should say is that I did not realize how cold Chicago got when I moved <laughs> here. I had, had, <laughs> I had really no clue. I, in fact, I thought it only got this cold in like the at the poles, basically. But the reason I did it was because I moved countries when I was small from New Zealand to Australia, and I thought it was really good for me as a human. And so I thought I'd give my kids the same experience. Um, and then I, the main reason was really to start something. You know, Smokeball was a brand new product. This was a brand new market, and I love I love building things. I'm a I love you know starting something from nothing and watching it grow. So it was a really great opportunity to do that on the other side of the world. And so are your kids enjoying Chicago? My kids love Chicago, yeah. I mean, oh, we've been here for five years now, so they're kind of part of the furniture. So you're used to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't mind the cold, mostly. Well, good. Just so you know, pretty pretty cold in Chicago. But I will So I, uh, I'm in New Hampshire a lot, which is just north of where I live in Massachusetts. And last year we went up, and uh, I got out of the car, and it was negative 45 degrees. Oof. Yes. My kids are like, why don't you bring all the stuff in? to the condo and I was like great no one else wants to volunteer but they're like watch out for bears and I was basically like all the bears are dead <laughs> insanely cold it's out here frozen into caves yeah pretty much yeah, yes is that have you seen cold. it get that cold in Chicago yet or no it did this winter it was like a I think they called it like a second polar vortex and we had to work from home for two days because basically you could get frostbite in a minute which seems inconceivable, but yeah, so we dutifully stayed inside and did not die. So that was a good thing <laughs> for our clients. Nice work, living. <laughs> Welcome to America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get, let's get to real questions, because this is a legal toolkit podcast, and people want to talk about law firm stuff, right? So leaving aside your questionable geographic choices. Um, so let's talk about a subject that's near and dear to your heart. I know, productive law firms. So just broadly, like, why is it really important for law firms to be productive in this day and age when there's so much competition out there for legal services? Yeah, well, because I'm a nerd, I kind of looked up the definition of productivity, which is basically the effectiveness of productive effort as measured in terms of the rate of output per unit of input. So I think, you know, even taking the competitive landscape off the table, if you're not geared up to be productive as a law firm, you're basically working too hard. You know, you're, you're working too hard and you're not getting the benefit out of it. Um, and as someone who works with small law firms exclusively, we feel that they do really important work in their communities. Um, they're helping, you know, small businesses and families with all of their mess. And they deserve to have a more enjoyable time doing it. They deserve to make some more money doing it. And they can also help more people if they, if they are more productive, if they're, you know, got more output. So I think it's, and then when you layer in the competitive aspect, which is that, you know, the, the more productive you are, the, the more you can compete on price and in other terms, it's going to get to the point where you, you either need to be productive or you're, you're going to have to sort of more productive than you are today, or perhaps you won't, you won't survive. I, I know this is your first podcast because you took the time to come up with a definition for productivity. So I appreciate that. I just wanted to let you know. Well, thanks. 
pleasure. I stopped, I stopped prepping for this podcast in 2015. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> um, so, well, when you, I saw you did the whole theme around productivity. So I was like, well, you know, what is productivity? Well, there, there's some prep. Don't like, don't, you don't need to blow up my entire spot here. So I do, <laughs> do a little bit of work. Um, so, well, let's, let's move in the direction of talking a little bit more pro, about productivity. Cause I think it's hard for a lot of law firms to like get more productive. They don't know what that means. Is it a mindset change? Is it something else? So like, What's the most important first step for a law firm to decide that they're going to get more productive and then move ahead and actualize that? Like, what's the first thing they should be doing? Um, I think it is a mindset change. I think you probably hit the nail on the head. I was talking to a friend a few weeks ago who's on the board of a mid-sized law firm. And, and funnily enough, she was having a conversation at the board you know, about one of the, the groups in the firm saying that they needed to increase their productivity. And the partner who's the head of that group said, yeah, we need to hire more people. And I think that has sort of been this longstanding thing for a lot of firms is that, you know, productivity equals headcount. And, and that simply isn't the case. And I, and I think really what it is, is about treating your law firm as a business. And as soon as you do that, you start looking at KPIs and numbers and you, and you start to understand how productive you are and where opportunities lie. And I, I think as someone who is inside a lot of law firms, I visit many, many law firms um, every month. I can tell how productive they are really as soon as I start talking to, to one of the owners. And the, the clue is usually that you can tell they treat it as a business. Um, and the difference between our, you know, the best firms that work with us and the ones that struggle the most, really, it's really the same line. If you, if you're happy to accept that you are not only a lawyer, but also a business person, you're going to have a more productive business and you're also going to be able to do a better job of doing the law at the same time. You'll have more time to you know, devote to the law and not, and not to kind of feeling like you're cleaning up messes or you're, you're sort of spinning out of control the whole time. That's great. And I'm, I'm totally on board with that philosophy, like throwing staff, throwing money at a problem in an in just a bulk fashion is generally not going to fix anything. It's not, but I think that's, you know, I think it's just how a lot of law firms grew up that, and you know, and you know, even in our industry, people say, you know, how successful are you? And they, they go, how many people have you got? And that's not a definition of productivity. If you can make hundreds of millions with three people, I think you're doing better than if you've got 3000 people. So. Oh, absolutely. Um, and on that note, we're going to take our first break. Here are some of the things that you should buy. If you're missing calls, appointments, and potential clients, it's time to work with Nexa Professional. More than just an answering service, Nexa's virtual receptionists are available 24-7 to schedule appointments, qualify leads, respond to emails, integrate with your firm's software, and much, much more. Nexa ensures your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 800-267-9371 or visit them at nexa.com forward slash podcast for a very special offer. Okay, thanks for sticking around. Now that I've completed level 8-4 on the original Super Mario Brothers, we can return to our conversation with Jane Oxley of Smokeball. We're here talking about productive law firms. So let's be productive and get back to it. Um, so, Jane, one of the ways that law firms can become really productive is by adding the right technology. And we'll talk specifically about some technology options in a second. But how does a law firm choose the right software, which is a question I get constantly in my consulting work? 
Yeah, I think it's a really hard question, isn't it? I think the best way to do it is probably before you look at a single product, you need to figure out what you actually need. Um, and I think a lot of law firms don't do that. Um, and I, in, in sales, we kind of call them your pain points. But I think maybe you look at it as in what are the major time sucks in your firm? So where are you, where are you spending a lot of time that you really don't need to be spending time or what are opportunities for you to do things faster. Um, I think it's really important that you not only look at the attorneys but also your staff um, or your staff to use the American term because we're, I mean, they often have a really good handle on where, where you're losing time and where opportunities lie. So I think don't start by looking at products to just kind of do a blanket, I'm going to increase productivity, look at what you need and then make a checklist um, of, of what you're looking for. And when you're looking at products, make sure you actually see the product doing the thing that they say it can do. I see this all the time in the wild that, you know, they said that it would do this, but it doesn't do it. So make sure you see it. You see how many clicks it takes. You see what it looks like. You can see that it's user-friendly, all, all those kind of things. And I can tell you that 95 out of 100 firms that we encounter on, you know, in sales don't do this. They do not come with a checklist of what they're looking for. They are kind of like, we need to make, you know, whatever it is, be more productive. We need to solve this pain point. We need to get some software. And they just get the one that, for whatever reason, in the sales process appeals to them the most. I think you really need to look at what the problem is that you're trying to solve. And from there, you know, that's when you can start talking to, yeah, consultants, friends, colleagues, practice management advisors at uh, your local bar association. And then I think the other piece is before you engage with a company, make sure that the company is a good is a good company. Um, so service is everything when it comes to software. You need to have make sure that you're finding the right partner to work with. I'd say that one clue would be something like a, a business is, you know, on the best place to work list, that kind of thing, some kind of in, independent verification that these are good people. If they're good to their staff, they tend to be good to their clients. There's kind of usually a virtuous circle that, that happens. So, you know, know what you're looking for. Make sure you're finding someone who's going to be a partner from you and then seek, you know, seek verification from people that you know or people that work in a similar practice area to you because they are more likely to have uh, the same pain points as you. Yeah, that's that's great. I especially like your notion of like, asking a software provider to perform a function rather than just suggesting that it exists because I have seen that happen before as well. Yeah. <laughs> so let's now talk about like specific features of products. So document automation, I think, is a great way to get more productive, like, and it's really severely underutilized in the legal industry. So can you talk a little bit about the value of document automation? So it's just not me saying it anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm the same as you. I'm a bit of an evangelist. I think Document automation is definitely one of the low-hanging fruits for productivity. It's pretty obvious that you're going to increase the output for the input that you put in. I don't know why. I mean, maybe people are scared off by the fact that you do have to do some legwork at the beginning and you've got to put that work in, but then you definitely get it back many, many, many times once you do that work. When I look at document automation in Smokeball, it's not only just merge fields that fill in information so you're not repetitively t typing the same thing over and over again. It's also changing, you can change what happens in the document based on the facts of the case, which saves you more time. So, you know, if you're doing a complicated trust and there's children, 
it can put in paragraphs that would not be there if there were no children listed on the matter and so on and so forth. So, I mean, we've had clients who've told us that a trust document that took them an hour and a half previously would take 10 minutes, which is, you know, a huge benefit. But even if you're not doing trust and you're just doing, you know, standard letters or pleadings, it, it just saves you a ton of time. And when you look at the cost of software versus the cost of, of headcount, going back to headcount, software is, is really, really cheap and accessible. And then you get there's other bonuses, like you get the bonus of lower risk of error, which is great for any business. You get the bonus of standardization, which I actually think is really, really important. As you know, as someone who runs a business, I want to know that when our staff are engaging with our clients, they're engaging in a way that we would be proud of. And in a lot of small law firms, every you know, every staff member, every attorney can have their own engagement letter. They can have their own documents that they use. Um, if I was the owner of a small law firm, I would like to know that the engagement letter was standardized, that we are very happy with this professional image and the, and the wording is important, you know, it mitigates risk for your firm. So putting that legwork in to get a standardized set of documents is not only making you far more productive, it's also making sure you have a professional face to the world, that you're proud of the work that you do and you're not, you know, sending documents out with errors, which is potentially embarrassing or or worse depending on on the case i couldn't have said it better myself so since you talked about pain points before let's talk about another big pain point for lawyers uh-huh. time tracking right lawyers hate time tracking they always have nobody likes to be beholden to a clock <laughs> so i know that there are some legal specific products out there that are offering automated time tracking either as a standalone software or as part of a larger software so how does that work how can lawyers become comfortable with utilizing something like that? Because I think I think a lot of people don't know about this even at this juncture. So if you give us a little overview and why you would do automatic time tracking, that would be great. I think automatic time tracking is a total no-brainer because I've never met a lawyer who enjoys tracking their time. Um, as you said, it's not something that you, you enjoy at all. And I can talk about it through our lens because the, the way we do it is, it sounds like kind of like, yeah, it sounds like voodoo magic, but basically Smokeball is a product that you use from end to end. So you're creating your documents, you're reviewing emails, it's pulling your emails in, it's got your calendar, you've got basically everything you do, your calendar events, like your, your meetings, your court attendance and so on. We actually kind of realized it a few years ago that we knew what our clients were doing better than they know themselves. And so we just started building all these timers behind everything that we do. And we realized that we already know what matter they're working on because everything's tied to a case. And we rolled it out probably two years ago. And I think at the beginning, people were pretty skeptical of it because it does seem kind of strange on, on some front to trust the software to do this. But it's very transparent. You can see, you know, every day that this this time doesn't go straight onto an invoice, but we do enter the time for you. We can do that if they want to do that, but it doesn't in a very granular way. So if you're um, if you're a family law firm, obviously you're at the scrutiny of the court a lot. They'll look at your bills and decide whether or not you should get paid for all this work that you've done. So it's really important that you are granular and show every piece of work that you did, and we're able to do that. So I think, look, I think it's a no-brainer. I feel like people often don't believe that it can be done. And you're right, there are other tools like, I don't know all of them, but like Chrometa that do 
that do it as a standalone that integrates with other software. So, I mean, so Nancy Chaffer Schaefer, who's a client of ours, she um, is a family law attorney, and she tells me that she's billing 30% more now. And and I wondered how that could be, but it's not only that she was pretty terrible at keeping track of her time before, <laughs> it was also that <laughs> how how she's valuing her time because small law firms particularly, again, that's that's my world, tend to, they're not the ones who tend to overcharge generally. They tend to undercharge because they look at their client and they think they can't afford this. So they start by terribly recording their time. So they're already kind of under a lot and then they discount it down from there. So they're not even close to the realistic amount of time they spent on the case. And as Nancy said to me last week, she She's realized that sometimes she thought she was spending five minutes on a document, but she was actually spending 30 minutes, which is a big difference in a day. Oh, yeah. Sounds about right. Yeah. And nice and then, shout out to Cremetta, by the way. My friend Brett Owens, unfortunately a Buffalo Bills fan. Go ahead. <laughs> and then on the other side of, of automatic time tracking is that you know, there's definitely a shift to, um, to flat fee or fixed fee work, um, which is something I'm, as a consumer of legal services, I'm, I'm a really big fan of. Um, but I, I think law firms are really scared of doing it. And the only way to, to be able to understand if you're, if you're profitable on flat fee work, that's hard to say, is if you do track your time. And so, you know, with Smokeball or, or you know, Cremetta or another service, you can actually see how much it costs you to get that work done. And in the back of Smokeball, you can put in everyone's overhead. So if you've got three staff working on a case, we can kind of put in what their annual salary plus overheads is. And then it will say, look, you billed $5,000 for this estate plan. And this person did this much work. This person did this much work. This person did this much work. And this is how much you made or did not make on the case. So it gives you, even if you're not an, uh, a time biller, it gives you really great tools to understand how you can be profitable and how you can set fixed fees or how, or how you can move towards them as well. Yeah, you make a great point that lawyers are bad at billing for value and then they're also bad about trusting software, which you kind of have to do to an extent in the modern world. So with that, we'll come to our last break. Now, while I look for the souvenir popcorn helmet I bought last night at the Red Sox game, listen to these words from our sponsors. Do you feel like your marketing efforts aren't getting you the high-value cases your firm deserves? For over 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours to attract new cases and to grow their practices. As a Google Premier Partner and winner of Google's Platform Innovator Award, Scorpion has the right resources and technology to aggressively market your law firm and to generate better cases from the internet. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast today. Imagine billing day being the happiest day of the month instead of the day you dread. Nobody went to law school because they love drafting invoices for clients. At TimeSolve, our attorneys save on average over eight hours a month in billing work. That means more billable time and turning billing day into happy day. Learn more about how to get to your time and billing happy place at timesolve.com. That's www.timesolv, leave off the e.com. Remember, that's T-I-M-E-S-O-L-V dot com. Hey, thanks for coming back one more time. We'll try to do better in this segment. So let's get back to our conversation with Jane Oxley of Smokeball. 
who's talking to me about how you can get more productive in your law firm. So Jane, at this point, we've talked about different types of software tools that lawyers can use. But one problem with using a lot of different software tools is that you'll quickly find that your information becomes siloed. So you've got one set of information in here, one set of information in there, and you're dealing with maybe nine different sets of info across nine different software platforms. So how can lawyers manage for that and try to make sense of all of that potentially segregated data? It's a really good question, and it's um, it's one that I don't think there is an easy answer to. I think fundamentally you don't want to have critical information in multiple places and that is why people want to find often want to find software in the first place is to kind of streamline their operations and if I think about it just across the legal market what I tend to find is that you know if you look at big law they always go sort of best of breed with software so they're um, they're choosing the best document management system and the best email management system and the best billing system and they have big teams of people who try to make sure that these systems talk together in a decent way at all times. But those resources, you know, they're just not available to, to smaller law firms. So I think you need to find a product which is going to be your source of truth. And something like Smokeball or, you know, another case management system, there's, there's, there's a lot of them out there now, is, is definitely going to be the, the, the main place where you're going to house your data. And from there, there are going to be integrations. And depending on the product, there could be many available or not so many available. So if you look at Clio, for example, there's a million different integrations available. If you look at Smokeball, we don't have a million integrations, but we try and choose the ones that we believe are the best for our clients. And we do really, really deep integrations to make sure that they, um, you know, they're really fail-safe because we know that our clients don't have this big IT team, and if they need help, guess who they're going to call? They're, they're going to call us. So we want to make sure that it works well. So I think choose something that's going to be your source of the truth. And again, you know, just as I was saying before about that, you know, make, if, you're, if there's something that you need, see it in action. Don't just, just hear, hear that it does it. Um, I sort of call them checkbox features or checkbox integrations. If there's an integration that is really important to you, see how it works in action because, you know, an email management integration can be very, very different um, and it could be something that requires more manual work and more manual clicks or it can be something that's totally automatic and you, it eliminates the whole task from your life. So I think the, the first thing is choose your one system to rule them all, um, whatever that's going to be, Ooh, and then make sure nice. those critical... <laughs> The critical integrations that you need um, are available to you. All right, easy question. What's the number one problem mm -hmm. you see facing small law firms, and how should they fix that problem? No pressure. That's a, Yeah, I know. All the easy questions. <laughs> I'm guessing that your audience is probably not the typical small law firm, but... No, they're the wisest small law firms in the country, perhaps mm -hmm. around the globe. Right, everyone? Hi, everyone. Um, okay, so <laughs> I would say that a lot, the biggest problem that I see is that law firms can feel disorganized, a bit out of control, stressed out, and and worried about deadlines, which is not one problem, but I think it kind of, it's like a general malaise of, of this is harder than it should be. Does that make sense? Yes. I, I That is, uh, disorganization is a problem, even with the more organized 
Yeah. The more organized law firms are still relatively disorganized. And I think they know it for the most part. They do know. And I mean, I think it's funny because Smokeball does, you know, a, a lot of different things. But when I speak to people about, you know, why they love it, they'll usually say it because everything's in one place. And I think getting your data into one place where you feel like you can put your hands on your data um, at any time, I think is really, really important for your, your stress management. So that makes sense. Like getting your data in one place prevents siloing. It also helps you become more organized. Let's talk a little bit about a cool advertising campaign you guys recently came out with, which got some coverage in the legal media and perhaps the regular media as well. I don't know. But Smokeball just did a couple, I think, of YouTube commercials featuring Calista Flockhart. Many people know her more uh, along the lines of Allie McBeal, which was a famous legal show set in Boston. So I think that's totally unique in the legal tech world. I haven't seen anybody get like a celebrity endorser before. So why did you decide to go that particular route? And then can you promise me that you get Calista Flockhart on this podcast too? Because I feel like that needs to happen. <laughs> so yeah, it is, I think, totally unique. It was definitely something a little bit crazy, I think, that we did. But we definitely wanted to do something different. It's a really competitive market. Um, believe it or not, the small law firm practice management, case management space. Um, and we wanted to do something that would kind of put us on the map and 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 also put the whole automatic time tracking piece of Smokeball on the map. If you've watched the video, Calissa talks about it at length. Yep. Um, so, oh, I like how you're friends. You guys are on a first name basis. That's pretty cool. She's very nice. Um, <laughs> But, and I, I don't think it would have. I don't think it would have happened if the creative wasn't good. It was a, you know, it was a really good, funny script, and it's. it's it was funny. It was like yeah, legitimately funny. Legitimately, and it's crawling its way through the interwebs, and that's what we want it to do. So, I think it was it was a good decision, but it was yeah, I de- it definitely surprised a lot of people. Um, and I can promise you that it is highly unlikely she'll come on the podcast. Oh man, that's too bad. I'm sorry. She should reconsider, Callista, if you're out there. <laughs> We can be friends too, just like you and Jane. All right, my last question to you. This is a new segment I've created. It's called Tweets You Forgot About. So I read you back an old tweet of yours and you comment on it. Are you ready? I think so. All right, good, because that was largely a rhetorical question I was going (laughs) to ask you anyway. Okay, here's your tweet from November 2nd, 2016. Everyone is out on the street. Why was everyone out on the street? What happened? November the 2nd? Yes, 2016. Now, th- oh, now, I know, I know why, you, I know why, I know why. The Cubs won the World Series. Is it when? Is it what it was? Right. Yeah, right. that was really exciting. Correct. I'm a big Cubs fan. So have you have you become? So all right, your Cubs fandom, right? Have you become a Cubs fan since you moved to Chicago? Were you inexplicably inexplicably a Cubs fan in New Zealand? <laughs> I was really never a fan of any sport, but the Cubs somehow like gets. Uh, into your soul and I live probably half an hour walk from Wrigley Field so I can stroll down on a summer evening you know with a beverage in your hand and it's a beautiful experience so um, yeah a beverage you say like a bubble tea Uh, or a beer maybe excuse my American (laughs) beer beer (laughs) oh that's better that's better. So you become a Cubs fan. That's good. To, I mean, you came at the right time. Everybody else had to wait like 108 years for I World know. Series. You got it to wait crazy. like three. Yeah. It's pretty good. Pretty, very lucky. Very lucky. 
as someone who has had a long World Series drought as well for the Red Sox, (laughs) that's really fun to break a curse like that. So yeah. I hope, and you're still going to games, I assume, as well, from time to time. I am. I've been to three already this year. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, they're a good yeah. team. I got some Cubs on my fantasy baseball team. Um, <laughs> all right, we can end with that. I won't, I won't torture you any longer. Sadly, sadly, in particular this time, because this was a fun episode, Jane Oxley's first podcast. We've reached the end of yet another episode of the Legal Toolkit podcast. This was a podcast about law firm productivity. And we've been talking again with Jane Oxley of Smokeball. Now, I'll be back on future shows with further insights into my soul, the soul of America, and the legal market. If you're feeling nostalgic for my dulcet tones, however, you can check out our entire show archive anytime you want at LegalTalkNetwork.com. So thanks again to Jane Oxley of Smokeball for making an appearance as my guest today. All right, Jane, can you tell everyone how they can find out more about you and about Smokeball? I guess the best way is to go to www.smokeball.com or you can reach me on LinkedIn. I'm just Jane Oxley. There aren't a ton of us out there. Or you can email me if you want, jane.oxley at smokeball.com. Remember, find this Jane Oxley. And Smokeball, just to confirm, is a law practice management software system. It's not a bath bomb or a type of firework, right? Uh, no, unfortunately. Not as exciting as that. That's, that's t- Next time. That's your next career. <laughs> All right, so thanks again to Jane Oxley of Smokeball. Finally, thanks to all of you out there for listening. This has been the Legal Toolkit Podcast where we don't need no stinking badges. Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join host Jared Correa for his next podcast covering the current business trends for law firms. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.